Thanks, Megan. Uh, if you do have a Bible, uh, that'd be great if you could keep it open at Proverbs uh, chapter 9. Uh, this afternoon, we're finishing a, a little series in just the introduction to the book of Proverbs. Uh, and next week, we're back in Genesis for a few weeks uh, before we uh, look at 2 Peter together. So if, you, if you're interested, that's sort of where we're going um, for the, the term ahead. But um, let, let's pray again as, as we begin. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you speak. Uh, we thank you that you, you speak, uh, that the heavens declare your glory, that you speak through your creation. Uh, but we thank you that you speak more specifically through your word, the Bible. Uh, we thank you that you make yourself known, that you show us the right way, the best way to live. And we pray, Lord, that as a people, by your word and spirit, uh, it would be our joy to live for you, uh, as we've just sung. Uh, Lord, please use Proverbs 9 uh, in our lives and for your glory. Amen. Jen and I uh, were invited to a friend's wedding uh, a, little, a little while back, and our reflection on that was uh, how thoughtful of them to think of us. Uh, we only knew the groom. Uh, we hadn't really done a very good job of maintaining the relationship. Uh, yet there in the mail was the invitation. Uh, what a privilege. I accept, you say. I, I decline, uh, you say. How, how do you make the decision uh, whether you go or whether you don't? Uh, it's about the food, isn't it? The wedding. Uh, chicken or lamb, you know how they, they sometimes they alternate that at the reception. Um, what's the small talk going to be like around the table at the, the reception? Will there be some fun uh, banter? Uh, the speeches, will they be any good? I really love it when there's some awkwardness in the speeches. When someone shares publicly what should be kept private. Uh, I, I love the possibility of that. And we can only fit so many things into our diaries, can't we? You can't accept every invitation. So how do you make the decision? And I guess it's different for everyone. You know, some people like the food, others the speeches, and some are interested in what it's actually all about, the relationships, the, the people. Now, this afternoon, we have a diary challenge. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9, it outlines, hopefully you can see that already, two invitations. And no one, not one of us, can say yes to both. There's a clash on the calendar, so to speak. And it's not wedding parties, but dinner parties. Wisdom personified in the feminine, so lady wisdom, you may know that in Hebrew the words have gender and uh, the word for wisdom is feminine. Lady Wisdom, she sends out her invitation. That's the beginning of chapter 9. And then Lady Folly, she sends out her invitation. That's the end of chapter 9. And Proverbs tells us this afternoon that our response is a matter of life or death. First, let's just look at Lady Wisdom's invitation from verse 1 to 6. And notice just in the first three verses, the, the preparation. This preparation for this dinner party actually begins with the building of the, the house. This must be one magnificent dinner party. Maybe it's the housewarming party. Verse 1, wisdom has built her house. 
She is set up at seven pillars. And if you do have your Bible there and you're into flicking around, Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1 says this, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands the foolish one tears it down. It's a great contrast, isn't it? Wisdom has built her house. She's set up its, its seven pillars, seven in the context here symbolic of uh, perfection, but also literally a house with seven pillars would have been extremely large. There's plenty of room for everyone. And if you were here last week, your mind may drift back to Proverbs chapter 3 where we read, by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. Another building project, perhaps even the same one. The preparation, verse 2, she has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She's also set a table. You notice that there's no last-minute rush for Lady uh, Wisdom. There's no quick, where's the cutlery? Are the bowls in the right or the left drawer? No, everything's ready to go. The preparations have been made. Verse 3. She sends out the servants with the invitation and she calls from the highest point of the city. In verse 4 to 6, we have the actual invitation. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. It's an interesting invitation, isn't it? Let all who are simple come to my house. The, the word simple here can be defined as gullible or without moral direction and inclined to evil. How do you get an invitation to this particular dinner party? I love the way someone said this. Deficiency is the only qualification. Now, we know that apart from God's wisdom, that the Bible claims that you, that we, are deficient. And that can be really hard to swallow, can't it? You might be well-educated. Uh, you, you may be intelligent. There may even be people who come to you for advice. You're an expert in some way or another, but you want to truly live in harmony with what is real. You want wisdom the Bible says we are deficient and accepting this invitation means life. Come eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insights. Where it says come, it's actually a command, an imperative. Do it. <laughs> There's an urgency. Come and and get life, that the table is set, wisdom's invitation. But what is this wisdom? Uh, chapter 9, if you've been reading uh, Proverbs 1 to 9, chapter 9 really summarises all that has gone before it. Chapter 1 to 9 is a guide on how to read Proverbs, an entry into the book. We've seen Lady Wisdom's invitation and it's interesting, I reckon, as we're kind of ready for Lady Folly's invitation, there's this interlude in verses 7 to 12. And the interlude, it seems a bit strange to go between the two. 
Yet we see it's a great tester on where we're at with wisdom. Have we accepted wisdom's invitation or follies? Are we listening to wisdom's call? Just look at verses 7 to 8. I'll read. It says, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they'll hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. You want to know if someone's wise, you can test it. Uh, Here's the test. You rebuke them and you see how they respond. I hope to be ready for when you try that on, on me. It's hard, isn't it? We, typically, we don't like to be called out or pulled up, uh, reprimanded, scolded, admonished. We don't like it. Yet it's a vital and often neglected part of life. Uh, when rebuked, my natural inclination, I suspect like yours, is to argue my case. Yes, but. Uh, or to lash out. And perhaps I am the one who's in the right and they're in the wrong. But that response is not the way of wisdom. Derek Kidner says, The further that one goes with folly or wisdom, the less or the more will one put up with the criticism, which is wisdom's teaching method. I met an older bloke last year who's uh, been heading up a New South Wales Christian camping organisation for, for quite some years. And as he's sort of looking to retire and, and hand it on to the next generation, he was saying that one of the, the big challenges that he's been noticing in this generation, uh, which is to come, is that they struggle to take any critical feedback. He said it was not abnormal for him to to be giving just general feedback to help people grow in their work, but the response could be met with a strong reaction. You triggered me. How dare you criticise me? You bullied me. I was talking to someone about this and they said that uh, the New South Wales government has written into their employment contracts that performance review is not bullying. We don't like critical feedback. And it's not just the generation to come. Criticism, wisdom's teaching methods. You can't handle criticism. Well, do not expect that you're living in harmony with what is real. I remember the the helpful advice once given to me. uh, Someone said, make your greatest critics into your best teachers. Are you someone who invites rebuke? Teach me. Show me my flaws. An opportunity to grow and learn. Or when someone pulls you up, do you distance yourself? Do you you delete them? Do you cut them off? Do you cancel them? Even become filled with hatred. Proverbs 26 verse 12 says, Do you see a person who's wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Just look again at verse 8 and 9 with me. Halfway through verse 8. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise 
they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. It's a massive contrast, isn't it? Uh, Samuel Brengel's, uh, his response to a critic, from my heart, I, I thank you for your rebuke. I think I deserved it. Will you, my friend, remember me in prayer? The same guy, his response to another critic, I thank you for your criticism of my life. It set me to self-examination and heart-searching and prayer, which always leads me to a deeper sense of my utter dependence on Jesus for holiness of heart and into sweeter fellowship with him. What a wonderful thing if, if that be us as a community. Eager to grow in wisdom, ready to learn even from an unfounded critic, allowing criticism to be our teacher. I love Proverbs 12 verse 1. It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Tim Keller said, the way of wisdom is not the way of quick fixes. And dramatic turnarounds. It's the way of long training and discipline. He says, but train your heart, not just the mind and will. So we have wisdom's invitation. Deficiency is the only qualification. Wisdom's teaching method is criticism. We won't handle criticism, though, unless we know wisdom's foundation. And you see it there in verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fear, reverence, respect of the Lord is where it all begins and awe of him leads to submission to him. The Bible claims that, that we cannot truly know ourselves until we know God. See the second line there, knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now that knowledge, it's not just head knowledge, is it? It's not, it's not just information, but it's, it's relational knowledge. And it's amazing what happens to a person when, when this foundational principle is their reality. Look at verse 11 and 12. For through wisdom your days will be many... And years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Does this mean that everyone who comes to the God of the Bible will live long lives? No, obviously not. Though the New Testament adds the eternal perspective, all people who come to the God of the Bible will receive life eternal. If you're, living, if you're living according to the pattern set by the Creator, though, in reverence of Him, it does change the shape of your life here and now for the better. You may live longer, but your life will also be more peaceful, more secure, more calm, says Proverbs. I was talking to a friend who um, is a missionary in... Uh, well, a pastor slash missionary with indigenous people in Broome. And he was saying, he said, I can't help but think we've done a disservice to some of the young Christians around. 
We talk so much about what these young Christians, what they cannot do, that they seem to think to trust in Jesus is to miss out, to, to miss out on the good life as they, as they look at the, their friends, their, their peers. It's interesting, isn't it, that we can end up with that false view to, to trust in Jesus, to, to embrace wisdom's call is to miss out. No, that, that's not the picture that Proverbs paints. The good life is, is found, is discovered in coming to the God of the Bible. The good life now and into eternity is found in him. Yet the temptation can be to dabble in that other dinner invitation. Can I say don't do that if that's you right now? It can't be both. There's a calendar problem, isn't there? One invitation leads to life. The other leads to death. It's one or the other. Which are you going to choose? Lady Folly, if you've been reading chapters 1 to 9, you'll know that foolishness, Lady Folly, she's described in a range of ways. She's the adulteress, chapter 5, 6 and 7. She's enticing. She's all dressed up and ready to go. The bed's perfumed. There's no strings attached. It's safe sex. The husband's away. But don't get caught up in the moment. You you play it out. You watch the young man go down that path. As as Proverbs paints the picture, it's a path that leads to death, says Proverbs. The truth will come out. The, The jealous husband returns home. Chapter 7, verse 27 says, Her house is a a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Notice with me this other dinner invitation uh, in chapter 9. At a glance, it sounds a lot like the invitation of wisdom. Verse 16, we read, Let all who are simple come to my house. It's the same invite, isn't it? But notice that the contrast, verse 13 to 18, folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious, but little do they know that the dead are there that their guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Notice there's no food preparation here. There's no building of a house. There's no food prep. Lady Wisdom builds the house, prepares her meats, mixes her wine, sets her table. Lady Folly, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. There's nothing good about that meal. Lady Wisdom said, leave Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. Lady Folly says, leave nothing. No change required. Stay as you are. I love the the New Testament book of James, that beautiful picture. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at a mirror And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Wisdom's invitation. It's for you. It's for us. Deficiency is the only qualification. I'm not good enough to have relationship with the God of the Bible. Well, great, you qualify. Wisdom's teaching method, criticism, are you willing to be rebuked? Leave your simple ways. Turn to God. Wisdom's foundation, the guiding principle, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You've got to get to know the God of the Bible. Lady Wisdom's invitation leads to life. Lady Folly's invitation leads to death. There's always going to be calendar issues, aren't there? Uh, and it's not always, as Bindi was saying, it's, it's not always a clear-cut decision. You know, sometimes go for the Cocoa Pops. Uh, but this is a different kind of calendar issue. I, I put exercise on the calendar. Some of you do this as well. And my alarm goes off. It's time for exercise. I'm feeling a bit sick, so maybe I should give it a miss today. Uh, it's not a clear-cut decision. G- giving it a miss occasionally can be wise. But if there's always a reason to give it a miss, I'll never, I'll never get fit. I've got some excuses. And it's not so much the one-off decision, is it? It's the direction of our lives. And the direction of our lives is made up of all those little day-to-day decisions. Now, I really wonder, like, what does this look like for you day-to-day? Have you been choosing Lady Folly? I'll dabble in this sin a little longer. Feels good right now. It's too hard to change. I'll continue to, to, to pursue this or this or that relationship that doesn't honour God, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and just shut that out of my mind. Play it out. Where are you heading? The direction of our lives is made up of the little day-to-day decisions. I'll go to church next week. I'll read my Bible Another day, I'll serve sacrificially, I'll, I'll give financially another day. Some other day, I'll do the thing I know that God wants me to do. I'll invest in getting to know the God of the Bible later. Play, play it out. Where are you heading? And maybe this is a, a rebuke for you this afternoon. How, how will you respond? Do not rebuke mockers or they'll hate you. Rebuke the wise and they'll love you. Instruct the wise and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they'll add to their learning. You love the dinner parties in the Bible. There's so many of them. I love the one where Jesus, in Luke 14, Jesus is at that dinner party. They're sitting around the table and this Pharisee, one of the Jewish religious elite, he pipes up and he says, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus responds to him by telling that story. A certain man was preparing a a banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, come for now, everything is ready. 
But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, oh, well, I've just bought a field and I'm, I've, you know, I've got to go and see it. I, I, please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of, of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I, I just got married, so obviously I can't come. And the servant came back and he reports this to, to the master. Uh, the, the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant, we'll go out quickly to the streets and the, the alleys of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the lame and, and the, the blind. So the servant said, what you ordered to be done, it's already been done, but there's still room. And the master told his servant, we'll go to the roads and the, the country lanes and, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. I hope you're taking wisdom's invitation seriously. The direction of our lives is made up of the little day-to-day decisions. I actually, I went to that wedding that Jen and I were invited to um, I'd done a bad job of maintaining the relationship, yet there it was in the mail, the, the invitation. What a privilege. What a privilege is wisdom's call, that, that, that invitation. Come to me, says the God of the Bible, leave your old ways and you will live. How about we pray in response to that? Our loving Father, we thank you for the, the picture that Proverbs paints. Two ways to live. Two invitations to respond to. And Lord, we, we want to say this afternoon that we're sorry for the ways that we have dabbled in folly. Lord, we're sorry for the ways that the direction of our life goes down that path that leads to death. And Lord, we pray that you would help us respond to your call on our lives with wisdom. That we would, as Amy prayed, trust in the Lord, trust in you with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding but in all our ways submit to you and that you might direct our ways. Lord God, help us be a community that is wise, eager to grow, eager to have our our faults shown up that we might be more and more like our King Jesus. Lord God, help us day to day Listen to wisdom. And we know, Lord, we need your help. So please enable us to walk in step with you. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus and for your glory, not ours. Amen.